0: You are tuned to WPKN in Bridgeport, 89.5 FM, independent community radio, broadcasting from the campus of the University of Bridgeport, serving Fairfield, New Haven and Litchfield counties in Connecticut and Suffolk County in New York's Long Island. We stream around the world at wpkn.org. Tune in radio, radio free America, and WPKN's free app, WPKN Live. Information on WPKN podcasts at WPKN.org. WPKN radio, listener powered community radio, serving you since 1963. Hello. What's your point? You know,
1: I would be remiss if I didn't mention, Garnett, the important role that you're playing on WPKN in not simply
2: independent journalism, but making sure voices get out. The reality is that as we talk about social media and and criticism and hashtags, conversation, like deep dialogue, about these issues is really what we're going to need if we're going to ever get to that point of reimagination. So I just wanted to, to thank you. You know, we've got a list of the revolution, um, and that revolution really is uh, has to be one that allows us to, to conquer these inequalities and move forward as, as, a, as a nation as a whole, but also as a community united.
0: Okay, thank you so much. I believe dialogue is very important for the continuation and maintenance of a democracy. One should be tolerant of all views different to yours. It is much better to use words to settle differences than with weapons. You see, weapons destroy human beings. When all these differing views are put together, a consensus should be found to move the nation forward together for one common cause. At the end of an argument, we may disagree but not become disagreeable. The show is uh, What's Your Point? It's aired uh, fortnightly between 9 a.m. Eastern and about 9.55 a.m. and uh, between 9.55 and 10. uh, Time for the public service announcements. All right, so my thought for uh, this morning, we believe that the idea of equality is the only enduring principle by which mankind may be guided in the conduct of national and international affairs. Michael Manley excerpts from a speech delivered at the United Nations General Assembly October 2, 1972. Michael Manley was the son of one of Jamaica's national heroes. He was the fourth Prime Minister of the island of Jamaica. And uh, some years ago, um there was a big buzz out for having him installed as the eighth uh national hero of the island but it it fell apart his uh, cousin and his father were named national heroes his father Norman Washington Manley was a premier of Jamaica. He was the head of the government of Jamaica before Jamaica gained its political independence in 1962, August 6, and uh, his cousin Sir Alexander Bustamante the first prime minister of the island of Jamaica. And uh, the focus is on Malcolm X. Malcolm X on What's your point? And the "Love him or hate him?" Malcolm X was an American Muslim minister and a human rights activist. Many people saw him as a courageous advocate for the rights of black people, a man who indicted white America in the harshest terms for its crimes against black Americans. Others accuse him of. Preaching prejudice and violence. And uh, just a reminder, black people cannot be racist. Black people can be prejudiced but not be racist. I hear this on the news every day about black people being racist. Black people cannot be racist. In a white-dominated world, a white-dominated society, white people can be racist but not blacks. If black people do the similar thing to white people, it is called prejudice. Prejudice, not racist. You've got to be in power and be able to command the the instruments of wealth and power in order to to be a racist. So, just to make that clear, I hear it on the news every day about blacks being racist and just just hogwash. Let's uh, have a listen to uh, uh, Malcolm X's uh, speeches. Uh, of, Of course, Malcolm X was born Malcolm Little, Later, he became Malcolm X. Uh, let's uh,
1: listening. And I, for one, as a Muslim, believe that the white man is intelligent enough if he were made to realize how black people really feel and how fed up we are without that old compromising sweet talk why you're the one that make it hard for yourself the white man believes you when you go to him with that old sweet talk cause you've been sweet talking him ever since he brought you here stop sweet talking him tell him how you feel tell him how or what kind of hell you've been catching and let him know that if he's not ready to clean his house up if he's not ready to clean his house up he shouldn't have a house should catch on fire and burn down. They call Mr. Muhammad a hate teacher because he meets your hate, dope, and alcohol. They call Mr. Muhammad a black supremacist. Because he teaches you and me not only that we're as good as the white man, but better than the white man. Yes, better than the white man. You are better than the white man. And that's not saying anything. That's not saying you know where just to be equal with him. Who is he to be equal with? you look at his skin, you can't compare your skin with his skin while your skin looked like gold beside his skin. There was a time when we used to drool in the mouth over white people. We thought they were pretty because we were blind, we were dumb, we couldn't see them as they are. But since the Honorable Elijah Muhammad has come and taught us the religion of Islam, which has cleaned us up and made us so we can see for ourselves, now we can see that old pale thing to look exactly as he looks. Nothing but an old
3: pale thing.
1: You were
4: born in Omaha, is that right?
1: Yes, sir. And you left your family left Omaha when you were about 1 year old. I imagine about a year old. And why did they leave Omaha? Well, to my understanding, uh the Ku Klux Klan uh burned down one of their homes in uh in, uh, in Omaha. This, we had a lot of Ku Klux this Klan. made your family feel very unhappy, I'm sure. Well, insecure, if not unhappy. So you must have a somewhat
4: prejudiced point of view, a personally prejudiced point of view. In other words, you cannot look at this in a broad academic sort of way, really. Can I, I,
1: I think that's incorrect, because uh, despite the fact that that happened in Omaha, and then when we moved to Lansing, Michigan, our home was burned down again. In fact, my father was killed by the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, and despite all of that, no one was more thoroughly integrated with whites than I. No one has lived more so in the society
3: of whites in the 1920s, Marcus Garvey, a black nationalist, preached that black Americans should build a nation independent of white society. With membership in the hundreds of thousands, Garvey's Universal Negro Improvement Association sought closer ties with African countries. The UNIA had its own flag, its own national anthem, and an African legion pledged to defend black people at home and abroad. The U.S. Bureau of Investigation labeled Garvey one of the prominent Negro agitators. The federal government deported him in 1927, but Malcolm's parents remained Garveyites recruited new members. Louise wrote for the Garvey newspaper.
1: My mother is the one who would read to us the Garvey paper, which was called The Negro World. And she also would talk to us about ourselves as being uh, independent. We shouldn't be calling ourselves Negroes or niggers and that we were black people and that we should be proud to call ourselves black people. What is your real name? Malcolm. Malcolm X. uh, Is that your legal name? As far as I'm concerned, it's my legal name. Would you mind telling me what your father's last name was? My father didn't know his last name. My father got his last name from his grandfather, and his grandfather got it from his grandfather, who got it from the slave master. The real names of our people were destroyed during slavery. Was
5: there any line, uh, any point in in the genealogy of your family when you did have to use the last name? And if so, what was it? The last
1: name of my forefathers was taken from them when they were brought to America and made slaves. And then the name of the slave master was given, which we refused. We reject that name today. You mean you mean you won't even
5: tell me what your father's supposed last name was or gifted last name was? I never acknowledge it whatsoever.
1: In the past, the greatest weapon the white man has had has been his ability to divide and conquer. If I take my hand and slap you, you don't even feel it. It might sting you because these digits are separated. But all I have to do to put you back in your place is bring those digits together. <laughs> to have once been a criminal is no disgrace. To remain a criminal is the disgrace. I, I formerly was a criminal. That's right. I formerly was in prison. I'm not uh, ashamed of that. You never can use that over my head, and that he's using the wrong stick. I don't feel that stick. (laughs) They charged Jesus with sedition. Didn't, Didn't they do that? They said he was against Caesar said he was discriminating because he told his his disciples go not the way of the gentiles but rather go to the lost sheep go to the people who don't know who they are who are lost from the knowledge of themselves and who are strangers in a land that is not theirs go to those people go to the slaves go to the second class citizens Go to the ones who are suffering the brunt of Caesar's brutality. And if Jesus were here in America today, he wouldn't be going to the white man. The white man is the oppressor. He would be going to the oppressed. He would be going to the humble. He would be going to the lowly. He would be going to the rejected and the despised. He would be going to the so-called American Negro.
5: How did you happen to join me? Muslim movement.
1: I was in prison. Uh, I was a very wayward, criminal, backward, illiterate, uneducated, and whatever other negative uh, characteristics you can think of, type of person, until I heard the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And because of the impact that it had upon me in giving me a desire to reform myself and rehabilitate myself for the first time in my life, and also being able to see the effect that it had upon others, this is what made me accept it. And I noticed that after being uh, exposed to the religious teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, immediately it instilled within me such a high degree of racial pride and racial dignity that I wanted to be somebody. And I realized that I couldn't be anybody by begging uh, the white man for what he had, but that I had to get out here and try and do something for myself or make something out of myself. How could so few white people rule so many black people. This is the thing you should want to know. How could so few? The white man today will tell you that thousands of years ago, the black man in Africa was living in palaces. The black man in Africa was wearing silk black man in Africa was cooking and seasoning his food. The black man in Africa had mastered the arts and the sciences. He knew the the course of the stars in the universe before the man up in Europe knew that the earth wasn't flat. Is that right or wrong? They're, they're passing the basket through the crowd, and I, don't, I think everybody standing here should put one dollar in that basket. Don't you think you should? Sure, these are freedom dollars, brother. We're not asking you to give us some money to make us rich. We put up businesses. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad has set up more businesses than any black man in America. Let us remember that we are not brutalized because we're Baptists. We're not brutalized because we're Methodists. We're not brutalized because we're Muslims. We're not brutalized because we're Catholics. We're brutalized because we are black people in America. Ah! I'm telling you they came out of those cars and we have enough witnesses to hang them with their guns smoking Chief Parker knows this Mayor Yardy knows this and every police official in the city knows that they didn't fire no warning shots in the air they fired warning shots point blank at innocent unarmed defenseless Negroes As I say, two of the brothers were shot in the back. Another was shot in the shoulder. Another was shot, two of them were shot, excuse the expression, through the penis. Let me tell you something, and I'll tell you why you say we hate white people. We don't hate anybody. We love our own people so much, they think we hate the ones who are inflicting injustice against them. For them to get a fair trial, there wouldn't be no necessity uh, for a trial at all. These are the victims of police bullets, and you don't take the victim in court. Uh, as a criminal you take the one who shot the victim in court and it is the police who should be on trial here in los angeles ronald stokes was not the least among the followers of the honorable elijah muhammad he was one of the highest he was the secretary of our los angeles mob and as we're fleeing in that rally on may many of you thought that we should go right on out then and make war on the white man you wanted to do it yourself didn't you didn't you you wanted some action then, didn't you? Because you don't like the idea of white people shooting black people down, do you? And you're ready to do something about it, aren't you? We know you are. And the white man should be thankful that God has given the honorable Elijah Muhammad the control over his followers that he has, so that they can play it cool, calm, and collected, and leave it in the hands of God. this just need great pleasure and an honor and a privilege at this time to introduce to you and present to you the messenger of Allah, your and my beloved leader and teacher, the most honorable and humble Elijah Muhammad. As Muslims, we believe that separation is the best way and the only sensible way, not integration. But on the other hand, when we see our people being brutalized by white bigots, white racists, uh, we think that they are foolish to allow themselves to be beaten and brutalized and do nothing whatsoever to protect themselves. If a dog is biting a black man, the black man should kill the dog, whether the the dog is a police dog, a hound dog, or any kind of dog. If a dog is fixed on a black man, when that black man is doing nothing but trying to Uh, take advantage of what the government says is supposed to be his, then that black man should kill that dog or any two-legged dog who fixed the dog on him. The goal of Dr. King is full equality
5: and full rights of... Citizenship for Negroes
1: the goal of dr. Martin Luther King is to give Negroes a chance to sit in a segregated restaurant beside the same white man who had brutalized them for 400 years The goal of dr. Martin Luther King is to get Negroes to forgive the people who have brutalized them for, uh, for 400 years by by lulling them to sleep and making them forgetting what those whites have done to them But the masses of black people in America today don't go for what Martin Luther King is, is putting down as you said in one of your articles It's psychologically insecure something of that sort. I forget how you put it. But you didn't endorse what Martin Luther King was doing yourself.
5: Uh, I do not reject his goals of full integration and full equality rights for American citizens. Do you reject these If you goals? don't
1: think that he's walking on the right road, I'm quite sure you don't agree that he'll get to the right place.
5: It's been suggested also that this movement uh, preaches a gospel of violence. That no,
1: the black people in this country have been the victims of violence at the hands of the white man for 400 years. And following the ignorant uh, Negro preachers we have thought that it was godlike to turn the other cheek to the brute that was brutalizing us and today the honorable Elijah Muhammad is showing black people in this country that just as the white man and every other person on this earth has God-given rights natural rights civil rights any kind of rights that you can think of when it comes to defending himself black people should have we should have the right to defend ourselves also <laughs> one white man named Lincoln Uh, supposedly fought the Civil War to solve the race problem, and the problem is still here. Then another white man named Kennedy came along running for president and told Negroes what all he was going to do for them if they voted for him and they voted for him, 80%. He's been in office now for three years, and the problem is still here. When police dogs were biting uh, black women and black children and black babies in Birmingham, Alabama, that Kennedy talked about what he couldn't do because no federal law had been violated. And as soon as the Negroes exploded and began to protect themselves, and got the best of the crackers in Birmingham, then Kennedy sent for the troops. And there was no, he, uh, he, used, he didn't have any new law. When he sent for the troops, when the Negroes erupted, then he had at the time when whites were erupting. So we are within our rights and with justice, with justification, when we uh, express doubt concerning the ability of the white man to solve our problem and also when we express doubt, concerning his integrity concerning his in- his sincerity because you will have to confess that the problem has been around here for a long time and whites have been saying the same thing about it for the past hundred years and it's no nearer a solution today than it was a hundred years ago think of his victory in Miami I think it was a great victory he proved he was the best man and where, where were you during the fight I was in the auditorium watching the fight right at ringside right at ringside i was in seat seven i have got to do is get involved you and i have to be right there breathing down their throat every time they look over their shoulder we want them to see us we want to make them we want to make them pass the strongest civil rights bill they've ever passed because we know even after they pass it they can't enforce it in order to do this we're signing a a voter's registration drive. We have to get everybody in Harlem registered, not as Democrats or Republicans, but registered as independents. If you don't have the uh, sense of responsibility to get registered, we'll move you out of town.
3: Malcolm called an aggressive plan, not only to gain political power, but to move black people towards total control of their community.
1: It's going to be the ballot or the bullet economic philosophy is uh, also black nationalism, which means that the black man should have a hand in controlling the economy of the so-called Negro community. He should be developing the type of knowledge that will enable him to own and operate the businesses and thereby be able to create employment for his own people, for his own kind. And the uh, social philosophy also is black nationalism, which means that Instead of the black man trying to force himself into the society of the white man, we should be trying to eliminate from our own society the ills and the the defects and make ourselves uh, likable and sociable among our our own kind. Malcolm, have your experiences with uh, white-skinned Muslims in uh,
5: Africa and the Middle East made you feel that uh, relations between
1: Negroes and whites who are not Muslims is any more possible? Uh, when I was in, on the pilgrimage, I had close contact with Muslims whose skin would, in America, be classified as white, and with Muslims who were themselves would be classified as white in America. But these particular Muslims didn't call themselves white. They looked upon themselves as human beings, as part of the human family, and therefore they looked upon all other segments of the human family as part of that same family. Well, now, uh, they had a different look or a different air or a different attitude than that which is uh, reflected in the uh, attitude of the man in America who calls himself white. So I said that if uh, Islam had done, this, done that for them, perhaps if the white man in America would study Islam, perhaps they could do the same thing for him. Malcolm, just Are to you p- prepared to go into the United
5: Nations at this point and ask that charges be brought against the United States for its treatment of American
1: Negroes? Oh, yes. Uh, oh, yes, yeah. please. I think you're right in my head. The audience will have to be quiet. <laughs> uh, yes, the, as I pointed out when I was in, during my traveling, that nations look, African nations and Asian nations and Latin American nations look very hypocritical. When they stand up in the United Nations condemning the racist practices of South Africa and that which is practiced by Portugal and Angola, and saying nothing in the UN about the racist practices uh, that are that are uh, manifest every day against Negroes in this society, why are they threatening your life? Well. Uh... Primarily because they're afraid that I will tell the real reason that they've been that I'm out of the Black Muslim movement, which I never told. I kept to myself. But the real, real reason is that Elijah Muhammad, the head of the movement, is the father of eight children by six different teenage girls. Different, uh, six different teenage girls who were his private personal secretary. That are
5: you not, perhaps? Afraid of what might happen to you as a result of making these
1: revelations? Oh, yes. I probably am a dead man already. What but, do you mean? Uh, well, uh, when, you know, when you understand the makeup of the Muslim movement and the psychology of the Muslim movement, as long as... Uh, any, if I, I myself, in, if by having confidence in the leader of the Muslim movement, if someone came to me and I had no knowledge whatsoever of what had taken place and they told me what I'm saying, I would kill them. Myself the only thing that would prevent me from killing someone who made a statement like this They would have to be able to let me know that it's true Now if anyone had come to me other than mr. Muhammad's son I never would have believed it even enough to look into it, but I had been around him so closely I had seen indications of it of it uh, of the reality of it But my religious sincerity made me block it out of my mind The first thing that the independent African nations did was to form an organization called the Organization of African Unity. This organization of Afro-American unity, which has the same aim and objective, to fight whoever gets in our way. To bring about the complete independence of people of African descent, here in the western hemisphere and first here in the united states and bring about the freedom of these people by any means necessary i read once passingly about a man named shakespeare i only read about him passingly but i remember one thing he wrote that kind of moved me uh, he put it in the mouth of Hamlet, I think it was, who said, to be or not to be, he was in doubt about something. <laughs> Whether it was nobler in the mind of man to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, moderation, or to take up arms against the sea of troubles and by opposing, end them. And I go for that. If you take up arms, you'll end it. But if you sit around and wait for the one who's, who's in power to make up his mind that he should end it, you'll be waiting a long time. And in my opinion, the young generation of whites, blacks, brown, whatever else there is, you're living at a time of extremism, a time of revolution, a time when there's got to be a change. People in power have misused it, and now there has to be a change and a better world has to be built, and the only way it's going to be built with a, with a, it, with, is with extreme methods. And I, for one, will join in with anyone, don't care what color you are, as long as you want to change this miserable condition that exists on this earth. Thank you. ...that the people in this part of the world would do well to listen to Dr. Martin Luther King and give him what he's asking for and give it to him fast before some other factions come along and try to do it another way to know that my house was bombed it was bombed by the black muslim movement upon the orders of elijah muhammad now they had come around so they had planned to do it from the front and the back so that i couldn't get out and the fire hit the window and it woke up my second oldest baby uh, and then, it, But the fire burned on the outside of the house. But had that fire, had that one gone through that window, it would have fallen on a six-year-old girl, a four-year-old girl, and a two-year-old girl. And I'm going to tell you, if it had done it, I'd taken my rifle and gone after anybody in sight. I would not wait. because uh, And I say that because of this. The police know the criminal operation of the black Muslim movement because they have thoroughly infiltrated the only thing that I regret in all of this is that two black groups have to fight and kill each other off. Elijah Muhammad could stop the whole thing tomorrow just by raising his hand. Really, he could. He could stop the whole thing by raising his hand. But he won't. He doesn't love black people. He doesn't even love his own followers. Proof of which they're killing each other. They killed one in the brown. They shot another one in the brown. They tried to get six of us uh, uh, Sunday morning, and uh, the pattern has developed across the country. The man has gone insane, absolutely out of his mind. Besides, you can't be 70 years old and surround yourself by uh, a handful of 16, 17, 18-year-old girls and keep your right mind. You can't do it. What is your ultimate aim? The only way the problem can be solved. First, the white man and the black man have to be able to sit down at the same table. The white man has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of that Negro. And the so-called Negro has to feel free to speak his mind without hurting the feelings of the white man. Then they can bring the issues that are under the rug out on top of the table and take an intelligent approach to get the problem solved. Do you consider yourself militant? (laughs) I consider myself mouthful.
0: You're in touch with uh, WPKN. Uh, The show is What's Your Point with uh, your host, Garnet Ankle. And uh, you've been listening to Malcolm X Speeches. And uh, love him or loathe him. Malcolm X was a Muslim minister and human rights activist. And um, he said many things that many people didn't like. And uh, by the same breath, it's a part of history that we should know and we should let others know of. Malcolm X, on any means necessary.
1: We want one thing. We declare our right on this earth to be a man, to be a human being, to be respected as a human being, to be given the rights of a human being in this society, on this earth, in this day, which we intend to bring into existence By any means,
0: Uh, the firebrand Malcolm X, and um, up next, uh, Malcolm X, uh, Malcolm X, nationalist or humanist, 1967. And um, you know, the the, the life and the struggles of Malcolm X is a part of American history which we, we should know.
5: On February 21, 1965, Malcolm X was assassinated. In his eulogy to Malcolm X, Ozzie Davis said, Many will ask what Harlem finds to honor in this bold young captain, and we will smile. Malcolm was our manhood, our living black manhood. This was his meaning to his people, and in honoring him, we honor the best in ourselves. His widow, Mrs. Betty Shabazz, tells of his childhood.
2: Well, his early life, his family was uh, disrupted. His father was killed when he was six and his mother later went to a mental institution. So from the time he was about six years old on, he reared himself. He was in um, foster homes and uh, boys' homes until he was about uh, 15 and then he went for a year and a half and lived with a half-sister in Boston and uh, he was in prison and uh, it was kind of uh, rugged really.
5: After his release from prison, Malcolm X became a minister for the Nation of Islam. In his autobiography Malcolm X said, no sane black man really wants integration, no sane white man really wants integration. The only solution is complete separation from the white man.
4: And one of the facts in your estimation is that Negro and white can never live together in America. Can never well, evidently,
1: the white man feels that the Negro can never live with him because it's the white man who is stopping integration. I'm not the one who is uh, 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 stopping Negroes from integrating with whites. I'm not the one who keeps Negroes from integrating white schools. And so don't put the burden of proof on me. It is the white man himself who is guilty and, and whose guilt proves that The Negro and the white man can't live side by side. Now, if I'm wrong in saying they can't, just prove that I'm wrong by doing it. Or just show me one place where it's done. It can't be done in New York City. It won't be done anywhere in this country.
5: Malcolm X became one of the best-known ministers in the Nation of Islam, but he was silenced for 90 days after the assassination of President Kennedy.
4: Malcolm, would I be correct in saying you're going to initiate a new movement in this country? No, I don't think I'm
1: equipped uh, to initiate a new movement but it's my intention to take the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad uh, and and uh, make them work on a broader level. Mm-hmm. How long has this been building up, uh,
4: this decision to make the change?
1: Well, I have been able to see for some time that it's uh, that I do run into obstacles in uh, trying to help him within the movement. So uh, I want to help him just that bad, just, just that much, So uh, it's my intention to try and do it now in the only way that I know how. And I think I can do it better without the restrictions uh, that uh, I would run into by being a part of the Muslim movement in this country, that is, the Muslim movement as it now exists. How severe
4: were the restrictions these past 90 days? Oh, during the past 90 days, they were most severe. I've been completely silent. (laughs) Not able to talk is a a real affliction for you,
1: is that right? Uh, Not only have I not been able to speak as a Muslim, I haven't even been able to speak as a man.
4: Actually, going back to that incident, uh, you have told me on other occasions that you didn't actually say you were glad the president was dead. What did you say about No,
1: my subject that day was God's judgment of white America. And I uh, uh, showed the different incidents that uh, had been building up, uh, step by step, uh, the fulfillment of prophecy, and that all of these things that were taking place were the result of some, be- some seeds that were badly sown, or some bad seeds that were sown. And uh, the death of the president I referred to uh, as the result of other things, a combination of things. And surprisingly, this is what the whole country was saying, that it was a climate of hate. So chickens coming home to, ro- to roost
4: means the same thing. This is what you said, chickens were coming home to roost. Yes. But at no time did you
1: say you were glad the president No, I did say this, that it pleases me to see that the wisdom of the prophets, these ancient prophets, was so uh, vast that they could foresee these things exactly as they uh, were to come to pass thousands of years ago. This was part of my lecture that day, Mm -hmm. and they twisted it.
5: In April, 1964, Malcolm made his first pilgrimage to
4: Mecca. Malcolm, on your trip abroad, you said you sent a feeling of great brotherhood, and that conceivably you would be working toward integration Mm -hmm. in this country now. At least this is what you
1: reported to have said. Any comment on it? I don't think that I ever uh, mentioned anything about working toward integration. Uh, If I recall, I pointed out that while I was at Mecca making the pilgrimage, I spoke about the brotherhood that existed at all levels and among all people who were there on that Hajj, who had accepted the religion of Islam. I mean, perhaps it could drive some some of the racism from this society as it has driven racism from the Muslim society.
4: Do you accept integration as a possible solution to the racial problem in this country?
1: No, in, uh, people cloud the issue when they bring in the word integration. Integration
2: can't even be defined. This is one of the reasons why it hasn't been realized. When a letter was written back and it was published in the New York Times, I think Mr. Handler um, uh, published it a lot of people felt that he was becoming uh, an integrationist, which was not true. He had gone to Mecca and he had merely uh, written about what he had what he saw, and uh, people reported it as if you know he had gone there and planted these people there. So this was an observation on his part, and he was not in the least becoming an integrationist. His role was forever the fight for black freedom. He wanted to raise the level of the struggle, from one of civil rights to one of human rights, and he felt that civil rights confined our struggle or our fight for freedom to the borders of the United States. And uh, if we internationalized our struggle, if we got allies, and uh, everyone uh, realized the importance of getting allies, even this country in the Revolutionary War, they sent people all over, forming correspondence committee, to explain their plight to the world and uh, trying to get allies. And I think uh, the French and the British and Spain joined this country in helping her uh, uh, win uh, her independence. And just like they needed allies, you know, the black people needed allies. And I think this was one of the reasons for his trips
1: well my purpose here is to remind the uh, african heads of state that there are 22 million of us in america who are also of african descent and to remind them also that we are the victims of uh, america's colonialism or american imperialism and that our problem is not an american problem it's a human problem it's not a negro problem it's a problem of humanity it's not a problem of civil rights but a problem of human rights and what do you hope for from this Conference. Well, we hope to uh, bring pressure upon them, or rather we hope to impress upon them the importance of their bringing pressure and world opinion upon the United States to take some meaningful effort to solve our problem in America. We want them to help us get our problem before the United Nations and charge America with violating our human rights in the same way that South Africa is charged with violating the human rights of our people in that area. And what uh, sort of reaction have you been getting from the African leaders? Well, I've gotten a good reaction, a very sympathetic reaction, and an understanding reaction. Many of them have been misinformed by the American government into thinking that uh, black people in America don't identify with Africa, and therefore they've restrained themselves from voicing uh, their interest in our problems. But I've, I've impressed upon them that our problem is their problem, as well as their problems are our problems.
5: continuous struggle, Malcolm X attempted to unify the civil rights movement with black nationalism. He speaks to students in Selma, Alabama a few weeks before his death. Then now,
1: if the federal government does not find it within its power and ability to investigate a criminal organization such as the Klan, then you and I are within our right to wire Secretary General Utham of the United Nations and charge the federal government in this country behind Lyndon B. Johnson with being derelict in its duty to protect the human rights of 22 million black people in this country. And in and in their failure to protect our human rights, they are violating the United Nations' Charter, And they are not qualified to continue to sit in that international body and talk about what human rights should be done in other countries on this earth. I have to say this, and I'll sit down. Back during slavery, when black people like me talked to the slaves, they didn't kill him. They sent some old house Negro along behind him to undo what he said. You have to read the history of slavery to understand this. There were two kinds of Negroes. There was that old house Negro and the field negro and the house negro always looked out for his master when the field Negroes got too much out of line he held them back in check he put them back on the plantation the house negro could afford to do that because he lived better than the field negro he ate better he dressed better and he lived in a better house he lived right up next to his master in the attic or the basement he ate the same food his master ate and wore his same clothes and he could talk just like his master, Master, good diction. And he loved his master more than his master loved himself. That's why he didn't want his master hurt. If the master got sick, he'd say, what's the matter, boss, we sick? He was as sick as the master. When the master's house caught a fire, he'd try and put the fire out. He didn't want his master's house burned. He never wanted his master's property threatened. And he was more defensive of it than the master was. That was the house Negro. But then you had some field Negro, who lived in huts, had nothing to lose. They wore the worst kind of clothes, they ate the worst food, and they caught hell. They felt the sting of the lash. They hated their master. Oh, yes they did. If the master got sick, they pray that the master died. (laughs) If the master's house caught a fire, they prayed pray for a strong wind to come along. This was the difference between the two. And today you still have house Negroes and field Negroes. I'm a field Negro. If I can't live in the house as a human being, I'm praying for a wind to come along. If the master won't treat me right and he's sick, I'll tell the doctor to go in the other direction. (laughs) But if all of us are going to live as human beings, as brothers, then I'm for a society of human beings that can practice brotherhood. So before I sit down, I want to thank you for listening to me. I hope I haven't put anybody on the spot. I'm not intending to try and stir you up and make you do something that you wouldn't have done anyway. I pray that God will bless you in everything that you do. I pray that you will grow intellectually so that you can understand the problems of the world and where you fit into in that world picture. And I pray that all the fear that has ever been in your heart will be taken out. And when you, look, when you look at that man, if you know he's nothing but a coward, you won't fear him. If he wasn't a coward, he wouldn't gang up on you. He wouldn't need to sleep around you. how they function. They function in miles. That's a coward. They put on a sheet so you won't know who they are. That's a coward. Now, the time will come when that sheet will be ripped off. If the federal government doesn't take it off, we'll take it off.
5: Although some of us may have disagreed with Malcolm X, or we disagree with each other about him, that is going from us served to bring us together.
0: And uh, up next, uh, we'll play a little part of Malcolm's death uh, announcement and so forth. So you do say to and if you are a, a lover of history, uh, you should uh, not necessarily enjoy, but you should appreciate uh, this part of American history, whether or not you agree with the sentiments of Malcolm X over some 50 years ago. Oh, Let's listen a little bit of Malcolm X's death announcement.
6: Malcolm X was killed by 16 gunshots fired at close range. He was 39 years old.
2: And my children were crying, you know, what's going on? What's going on? Are they going to shoot us? And I just knew they had shot him.
7: And that night we went into the Harlem community to walk and mingle with the people. There was a kind of sense of loss. And as we passed people, some who were even strangers, we would stop and greet each other and say what this man had meant to us. He was a master teacher. And there is no greater loss to a community than the loss of a master teacher. Mm.
6: Three days, 20,000 people endured sub freezing temperatures to say goodbye to Malcolm X.
3: Malcolm.
7: stripped of his Western clothes and then the Muslims came and dressed him for a proper Muslim burial they had a service diggers were standing there with their shovels but some of the black brothers said no Mm-mm. we can't let you do that we dig this grave you know we cover this brother Said by the outside world, said to the brother, We loved and respected and admired you. And so we buried him. And
2: there it is. I woke up this morning with the man
6: said. Malcolm X had a far-reaching effect on the civil rights movement. In the South? There had been a long tradition of self-reliance. Malcolm X's ideas now touched that tradition. In 1965, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee launched new strategies to challenge white control of Southern politics.
7: Our direction was clear. A heavy emphasis on nationalism.
4: Strong. As strong as uh, Malcolm had it. As strong as we could get it.
6: Michael and other SNCC members began a voter drive in Lowndes County, Alabama known as Bloody Lowndes.
0: Oh, you have been listening to excerpts of uh, speeches and um, interviews of Malcolm X right here on uh, What's Your Point with uh, Garnet Ankle on WPKN and uh, I'll next be on the air in a fortnight at uh, 7 with uh Uh, Solidarity and at nine for What's Your Point?
3: Those of Malcolm X
2: What men got mixed They didn't want to see black This
0: poem shall call names. Names like Lumumba, Kenyatta, Nkrumah, Annibal, Atterton, Malcolm, Garvey, Aile Selassie. This poem is vexed about apartheid, racism, fascism, the Ku Klux Klan, riots in Brixton, Atlanta, Jim Jones.
3: The blood of Marcus, the blood of Marcus, was flowing through my face. That's right. And not in a vision, I can see it very plain.
7: Malcolm X. Lives.
2: It's China. 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 In a pool Why of man? blood. 1965.
7: of maximum respect. To the great Malcolm X. Yeah, you're